off top in 1963, the community in Greensville, North Carolina, held a black Christmas boycott to protest against Jim Crow laws. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Our good friends, throw your hands up. Thank you, Allstate. Sincerely for making us work on Christmas Eve. I'm not even trying to be funny. Trust, trust me. I have used football to get out of family gatherings before. I will do it again if I have to. Uh, I will say, uh, maybe we could make it a little earlier so I don't got to go to church. That's all I'm saying. Next time, all stay. Let's take a little sooner. All stay. Just say it. That's all. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I texted you guys this morning. I, now I'm <laughs> now I'm betraying the the text thread. Betraying the group, the group chat. Yes. I said, "Hey guys, do you want to tech, uh, tape earlier? It's Christmas Eve." And both of you guys were like, "Nah, we're flexible. We'll tape whatever." <laughs> well, you would have had to tape it at five o'clock, but I was just joking. I like going to church. I actually don't like going to church on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's a bad time to go to church, but normal day church is fine. But Christmas Eve church, not a good. This time. is like real, real guy who goes to the gym regularly, complaining about people showing up on January first. <laughs> It's not even about being too many people. The more people are fine. It's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a generic vibe. It's just like, oh, everybody trying to make it into a thing. Let's not make it into a thing. Anyway, we're getting far away from football. All right, all right. Speaking of things that are things, football's a thing. Transition. All right, guys. We have to start with Cowboys-Dolphins. It was the best game of the day. It is Dominique's beloved Cowboys losing on the road again, which they always do when they're not in the comfy confines of their dome at home in jerry world but the question i'd ask to you guys on the other side of this also the dolphins had their first win over a team with their winning record since their week three win over the bills last season and so to pin this against each other to you guys was this game more about the dolphins finally being a good team or the cowboys continued continuing to be a different team on the road this season Man, I, I don't think I can choose. I think the Cowboys, we established last week that the Dolphins needed this game more to to live in the cliche world that Charlie loves to live in. I think so. It was more important for them to win, to show themselves all the things that they needed to show themselves. However, having another loss for the Cowboys against a good team on the road is hard for me. I guess, so this one doesn't feel as bad because they didn't get their handed to them. This felt like a competitive game. It didn't feel, I got Bill making all types of faces. They didn't get blown. I'm sorry, Bill. Let me get out the way. Let me clear out. I can't take your faces. ISO. ISO. Dominique, get, go in the corner. If you get open for a okay. three, I will throw right, you give the it ball. To me. This is a more crushing loss because it really seems to confirm the Cowboys are not just going to be losing games on the road during the regular season, but now they're going to have to win games on the road in the postseason. And to me, I, I don't know that I buy it. There's really a home road split thing happening here. The nerd in me says that's just randomness more than anything else. But the Cowboys had a great performance from their defense in this game. Mm -hmm. The offense did not get stuck down early and had to come from behind. The offense was in the game the entire game. And they were a little sloppy. They fumbled on the half-yard line or the quarter-yard line. When they handed it to a dude, I'm going to be honest with you, a professional football reporter, a dude I had never heard of before. I thought a fan had run onto the field <laughs> and got a handoff and fumbled it on the half-yard line early in this game. But, like, this was a game where last week we could sit here and say, okay, well, the Cowboys, they got stuck from behind, and they're not built to come from behind. As long as they're in the game, they'll be good. They were in this game. 
and still yeah. lost. This game did have uh, – your point is, is a fair one. I guess I wasn't as concerned about them going on the road for anyone other than the 49ers, which that was written in stone last week with that loss last week. So, But you're right. Now they're going to have to go – they might have to go on the road a lot sooner and a lot more often in order to even get to the 49ers. So if we are to respect the home road splits, which it sounds like, Bill, you don't fully respect, the best exp- – I have zero yeah, respect. The best explanation that I've been given for why the home road splits matter is because of – the uh, type of offense that they run. It's like the check with me stuff. They need to communicate. They need to have that, um, yeah, have that operation down, or that operation is a lot easier at home than it is on the road. I can't imagine. It's a lot like the Charlie, the thing Charlie likes to make fun of me about where I say cover two was the second coverage ever created like crowd noise. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a novel thing. I suspect that all teams that do check with me offenses have the ability to I'm signal sorry. I'm sorry, Dominique. We call it over here. We call it the here we go <laughs> offense is the appropriate name for the Cowboys. Offense. Well done. Well, the here we go offense, I'm sure, has hand signals and other ways to work through it. So I think you're probably right. It probably is about randomness. And it just so happens that uh, the best teams, or the, be- the toughest games that they've had have been road games also. Yeah, that's so a huge part of it. That plays against it. But there's another challenging thing about going on the playoffs is – you know, the playoffs is disproportionately good teams from what I've heard. So if they're going to have to play a good team and go on the road, it's going to be a challenge. I guess we should do the positive stuff for the Dolphins, though. They had Tyreek. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before, before we get to I the can't, Dolphins. I can't steamroll us out of this. No, 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 did you notice that Dominique made his entire point a moral victory that Dak didn't get blown out in one of these games? Yes. Oh, his gosh. beautiful little yes. Dacky. Oh, sweet Dacky. You didn't lose by 24 in a primetime game on the road. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, what's that coming up close? It's the goalposts that are being moved here for Dak Prescott. <laughs> well, I mean, they deserve to be moved back towards him because we always move them away from Dak Prescott. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's more than trying to protect my precious Dak Prescott, which I am not trying to do. I think we have done neither were the Cowboys supposed yeah. to this game, frankly. <laughs> That's fair. That one throw he had with people draped all over him. I think he hit the, the tight. Yeah, I mean he's a great yeah, player. A sweet, sweet throw. But and then the the red zone turnovers, they seem uh to have decided before the game started that they were gonna live and die by CeeDee Lamb by any means necessary. And also they're not gonna block for Dak Prescott, which is a good strategy. But I think more than anything, uh I just don't have anything else to say about the Cowboys in this situation. Like we've seen this a a couple times this year. We've seen it year after year for this team. Like, honestly, I don't know what else there is to say. Like I I got a text from a friend of mine who's a Cowboys fan. It's like, the boys going to be the boys, which is kind of what it always feels like until they have some heroic uh, postseason run. It gets tiresome. Like, do you have a new angle to talk about it? Uh, They move Micah off the line for a little bit to chase down those running plays. That was interesting. They played better on defense. I, I don't know. First off, that's a really insightful text for your friend to send you. The boy's going to be the boys. The boy's going to be yeah. the boys. That's something I would say. But it, it was. That, that, that's, that's like that's like when you have a crush on someone and you want to text them and you just need an excuse to text them yeah. anything. That's what you send them. Is, oh, the boy's gonna be the boys. this is. I, that just reminded me. Holiday season. I'm I'm far past this now, but. And I guess some people who listen to us are probably in college or somewhere out of college. Mm-hmm. Holiday season is when them old things come back and they sent those mm-hmm. Merry Christmas with you have to get out of my my uh, text message machine. 
animals. Anyway, your cell phone, what are you your talking? iPhone. Yeah, text message machine is better. You got uh, you got get those Flacco messages <laughs> back from back from a distant past. I forgot about you, but you're not looking too bad these days. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got two things for you on the Cowboys in this game that actually are new or different or questions I have about how they played this game. Number one, Tyron Smith wasn't playing a left tackle. They're they're you know legendary offensive lineman, and Bradley Chubb was the best player on the yeah. field. Maybe one of the like the three best players on the field. Like he was the most dominant player on the field in this game. And that's something where I think during their winning streak, we saw the Cowboys consistently dominating the line of scrimmage. They did not dominate the line of scrimmage in this game. Dak was running for his life for most of the contest. And I have a good thing. Dominique, you can have this one for this week. Actually, no, you're not you're not doing it up this week. I'm doing it from home, so I might go ahead and use this anyway. Doing it from home? Give it to okay, me. Okay. I might I might sneak it in for you. Here's a Mike McCarthy question I have. Cowboys get a touchdown early in this game. Dominique might have still been at church, so I'll, I'll just fill you in. Two big plays to CeeDee Lamb. Lines up both times in the slot against Kadir Kohu, the weakest of the three Miami starting cornerbacks. So you figure, okay, we landed on something. CeeDee Lamb's going to be in the slot. We're either going to dare them to move Jalen Ramsey inside, or we're going to get uh, our best player against the worst of the Miami cornerbacks. What percentage of the time do you think CeeDee Lamb was in the slot in this oh, game? Not enough, would be my guess. 44% of the time per the NFL's next-gen stats. That, to me, is a big question because CeeDee Lamb went missing for, like, two and a half quarter, two quarters in this game. He had that touchdown and then didn't touch the ball until, like, the fourth quarter after that. So if you have something that works and you're not really getting a lot done otherwise on offense – why didn't you go back to it's it? Interesting. It felt like the first eight plays were all designed to go to CD Lamb and started a game. And it does feel like this offense, the one criticism that you could have of this offense, and it's a pro and a con. I guess it's like the the gray cloud that comes with the silver lining of this offense is that they are they have a smaller playbook. And I think I like analogized them to the Peyton Manning Colts offense, where it is you check with the quarterback and they're going to, they have a play to beat just about every coverage and they're just going to run that play. And I would say that an offense like that, when they hit on something that works, they would come back to it. It doesn't quite mesh with that thought process. If you're going to run a limited offense, a playbook of 10 to 12 plays uh, that, you know, as long as Dak is smart enough and gets to the line early enough to to figure out the coverage, you know, it's going to work. I'm not sure. I guess maybe part of the problem is when you're running an offense like that and you have a quarterback like Dak who doesn't make the wrong decisions is that when they call a coverage that is to push you away from that, then maybe he doesn't go to it, but that doesn't account for why you wouldn't put CD back in the slot. You should at least put him there. Uh, yeah. I wish I could understand the way that Mike McCarthy thinks. No, I don't. I like the way I think. So I want to ask you guys about the Dolphins now. Yes, because finally. Do you think? Do you think the you Dolphins? Let off the hook. Yeah, yeah. It's time. It's Christmas. Thank you. I'm in a giving mood. Um, but the Dolphins had the whether it's a cliche or not, whether it's fair or not, they had the narrative. They can't beat a good team. Did they shed that narrative by beating the other team that can't beat good teams? I absolutely think they did. Uh, even though it was a close game, they won by a field goal at the end. I think to the degree that these narratives matter at all, they matter to the psychology of the team. And I don't necessarily think that they matter a whole lot. 
It's like saying you can't beat a good team until you beat a good team. They also haven't played a lot of good teams because there aren't a lot of good teams in football this year. And you're going to lose more often when you play good teams than when you play bad teams. So whether it's a real thing or not, I think it, it matters to their mental preparation. And when you get behind, these things feel like they matter when you're on a team and you're on a field. So, yeah, you just got to do it once to shut everybody up and not have it hanging over you as you go from one week to the next. So, yeah, it does matter. It means nothing. Yeah, I I, I, it does not matter. Like, like at the end of the day, when we give out trophies at the end of the year, when teams win the Super Bowl, are we like, oh, you beat three good teams in the regular season? No, it doesn't matter. Like, like they're a good team. They're going to get to the postseason. They're, they clinched the, a playoff spot today, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Yep. So they're they're good to go there. Um, this is the crux. Like, is it better that, that they beat one? that they beat one playoff team by two points. They're suddenly like solved. Like they figured it out. This, I think you and I see eye to eye on a bunch of things. And often it's more interesting when we disagree. And this is the crux of every disagreement we ever have. And I'm not even sure if it's a disagreement, but in the way that we view and talk about these stories, it comes down to the, the psychology of football and none of us can get into players' heads and you suggest that it doesn't matter when I think it has more value than you think it has. And I, I'm not a big fan. This is one strike against me is I tend to say that when coaches say stuff about distractions, that it's there's no such thing as real distractions that take away from the team. However, I do think that there is a psychological toll that players that, is taken on a player through the course of a season and how it impacts different players is depends. It's different, but I think it's something that is hard to calculate. And so we're easy. It's easier to dismiss, but I think there is a value and there is a cost. Well, the other thing that I think is interesting about this is I think you're, you guys are, I use it to like assess how good the teams are, like how, how good they can be in the postseason. Like, Winning tough games against other good teams is a representation of how far that team can go in the postseason to me, even in a short, small sample like the NFL playoffs. Like, if the Dolphins had been beating up on the Panthers for the last 14 weeks, I don't think I'd be looking at them being like, this team, oh, look at that offense. But when you win games like that are tough against teams that we respect, I think it changes how we view their ceiling. See, now you're pushing me over the middle side on this one now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I just <laughs> because the the idea that the, the tough game quotient is, is a little harder for me to get behind. But anyway, Bill was going to say something smart. All right, you guys are fans no, no, of the, the Vikings last year. All, all, all I'm saying is this, for, for us, the biggest insult you could pay Charlie on Christmas <laughs> of all days to hear that when you know, you know, we're giving out an award about how much I hate the Vikings each and every week. Um, <laughs> Like, like if this game comes down to the final kick and Jason Sanders misses the kick and everything else about how they play is exactly the same, do you think it has a significant mental difference on, on how they how they perceive themselves going forward? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, okay. it's as, as stupid as it is, I think. I mean, I understand your point. I don't think that the, him making or missing a kick determines whether the team is better or worse. But but it makes them feel it does it feels entirely different you come in from a win you come in from a loss Uh, how much that actually translates and and blowing a lead and blowing a nine-point lead how that all translates to the next week of practice or the next game like maybe it's nothing maybe i'm wrong altogether but i do know that it feels entirely different because that's i mean we're not playing for uh the dvoa championship that many fans like to Mm. 
wave around when they don't win the Super Bowl. Like, ultimately, you do want to win. No matter how you win, you do kind of want to win a lot. Throw that banner <laughs> up. Um, maybe, I, maybe I agree with you, and I disagree with Charlie. I think so. Actually, maybe maybe my criticism is 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 misguided yeah. here. Charlie, would they be any different of a team in terms of projecting them for the future if Jason Sanders missed that final kick and they lost the game? Honestly, oh, no, they wouldn't. Coward. But that's just because I don't take I don't coward. You know, they were one of my teams I thought could win the Super Bowl. But I kind of the the biggest thing is all of one of the many. The second, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The second half of the season with the Dolphins has changed how I view their ceiling and how tough the team. Well, is. yeah, that's that's the question I want to ask. Yeah, is is this a game example. where, where, after Dolphins a win, won, <laughs> after a win, the Dolphins won because their defense was great and their special teams was great on a day where the offense and Tyree Kill they were fine, came with a couple big plays here and there, but they were not great in the red zone. They were sloppy. They made some mistakes. Is that? a positive because we saw them beat a good team without kind of having their core strength versus a negative because we saw them go up against a great team and that much vaunted offense was kind of meh for most of the game. Well, there's context to that because Waddle missed a significant amount of time being poked in the eye. Mostert got hurt and when it was out and came back in, they were not like their offense wasn't stuck in mud when it's Waddle, HN, Tyreek Hill, Mostert going at full speed. Those guys weren't, playing as much and as as effective as they would be normally will they be in the playoffs maybe those not guys, small sample those guys those guys like guano's been hurt all year most gets hurt pretty often tyreek's not 100 percent. hn has been gone for most of the season like like if we're saying okay if you got all your dudes up you're good but that's the same thing we say about the cowboys and we saw Finn's the cowboys gonna be the without their guys right yeah i mean i i i do think that given how good their offense has been for much of the season it would be different if their offense was more up and down. Uh, I would be more concerned about them right now, given how good their offense has been much of the season and how bad their defense was to start the season. Uh, it's encouraging to see their defense play really well against the offense that we respect uh, going into the postseason. Yeah, but the boys will be the boys. <laughs> um, all right, guys, let's pivot topics. You ready? You ready? Put your hands up. And now it's time. For our good hands moments presented by Allstate, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco yes. was the insurance. He was the Allstate insurance for the Cleveland Browns, and now they are in good hands with Joe Cool. He has third straight game with 300 yards. He had 368, a bunch of touchdowns, and the Browns rolled over the Texans. It seems like they are in better hands with Joe Flacco than they had been with any of their prior three quarterbacks this season, Deshaun Watson included, and... Their defense is one of the best units on either side of the ball in football. What do you think the ceiling is for this Browns team with Joe Flacco? Oh, gosh, that's the question. Um, can we talk about them not having a kicker and how that made the game more fun for me? Uh, the ceiling for them. Uh, like that, yeah, that, okay, that's a, that's a better no, discussion. Not. Oh, the Browns it's don't not. have a kicker. This is what everyone wants it's to not. hear. Yeah, it's, it's a not. terrible discussion. Talk about that I team. I was transitioning to the talk about the team. Uh, the ceiling is – we had this conversation a few weeks ago before Joe Flacco was playing as well as he oh, – he still threw, I guess, one interception in this game. The second one, I can't really blame him. I mean, the second interception he threw was, uh, like, right before halftime because they didn't have a kicker in his fourth mm -hmm. down. He, like, threw a jump ball quarter end zone. Mm -hmm. um, the other interception, legitimate interception, uh, he took a deep shot. So that's the problem with Joe Flacco. And what I said before he started playing well was – 
he has the capability of being really good for long stretches or for significant stretches, which means the ceiling for a team with a defense like this and a receiver like Amari Cooper, who apparently is unguardable. Yeah, they can compete in the AFC for real. However, is Joe Flacco going to do that? No, he threw a bunch of picks last week. He threw one in this game that I consider a real pick. He's going to throw more interceptions through the course of this season, especially in the playoffs and defense as good as their defense is because of all the rule changes in, in modern football, you are not going to just defense your way to the Super Bowl. So for them to make a run, the game when their defense doesn't show up because it's going to happen, Joe Flacco has to turn back the clock and play out of his mind. And then the rest of the games, the defense can keep him in there. So I don't know if we have to put a probability on a percentage chance, but they have a much better chance than they ever have uh, in recent history right now, considering what Joe Flacco's shown the capability of doing. Okay, so Dominique, let me ask you a follow-up question. I want you to list for me the quarterbacks playing in the AFC right now who are not going to throw a bunch of interceptions every game. Um, It's uh, Patrick Mahomes. Can you give me those quarterbacks? Patrick Mahomes yeah, throwing, he is picks. throwing I don't know if you've seen him yeah. play recently. He is. Kadarius Tony's out there. The ball will be yeah, up in the air. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of anybody uh, in the AFC that's not going to give it to the other team right now. Tua? It, it's it's pretty much Brock. Tua, I, yeah. Tua is going to throw yeah. some passes up there. Like, like you know, if he's getting pressured, which the Browns are going to be able to get yeah. pressure on Tua if they play, he's going to throw some passes up there. Josh Allen. Like we're gonna talk about the Bills, but Josh Allen is still, still throwing interceptions. Mahomes is throwing picks. Uh, who else is making it to the playoffs? Lamar. I mean, yeah. Lamar can have games like that too for sure, especially in the postseason. I mean, I think in a normal year, I would agree with you. I would say the chances of Joe Flacco being perfect again for three games like he was in the postseason a few years ago. Uh, that was like twelve years ago. But also, we're old, by the way. I want. I want. I want it to be <laughs> a few nice. years ago. Um, <laughs> Uh, the problem is this is a, a, an AFC where we don't have that quarterback. Nobody's mm-hmm. playing at that level right now ding, ding, ding. for weeks. So Joe Flacco does not have to be perfect. Joe Flacco just has to be the guy he's been the past few weeks because the, the, the Browns are playing as well as any yeah. team in the AFC right, right now. I mean, they just blew out a Texans team that admittedly did not have CJ Stroud, but is this actually just more evidence of how awful the Jets are? Because Joe Flacco looked like he didn't deserve to be in the league last year. He was playing for the Jets, but then he comes out and he just balling with this team. Before we get to that, I now, now second topic in a row. I have to nitpick something Uh-oh. you said, Dominique. You're saying that that Joe Flacco has to black out, has to black out and play at like a super high level for them to have a chance. I'm not just talking about the Super Bowl. They like there's a chance that there's a high chance they're not going to make the Super Bowl. But in this AFC with that defense. Do they need more to score more than 21 to 24 points a game to beat any of these mm-hmm. teams? Any of them, mm-hmm. even the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen teams. Cause that unit, mm-hmm. I can't think of a unit in the AFC that I trust more in the Browns. This is why you're such a great producer is cause you know how to properly snip what I said and leave out the context and try to make for a clickbaity yeah. argument. So my point is what the point that I was making, and I'm sure my friend Bill Barnwell understood it is that, there will be a game or two where the defense does not ball out. And in that game, Joe Flacco is not going to be able to get away 
with throwing two interceptions or three interceptions there. I, I just sincerely believe at some point in their playoff game, Joe is going to have to play a really good game. Not these games that he's been playing now that have been good, given the context of how the defense is played and the time in which he turns the ball over. So that's my point. I don't think he needs to go back to um, all the way blackout throughout the course of the entire playoffs. And you're right. The teams that he's playing are not going to put that up against them, especially against this defense. But I think this is true of every team. There's going to come a game where your quarterback's going to have to cook. Let's, let's put this in perspective. The Broncos, when Peyton Manning had a noodle arm, they won their three playoff or their two playoff games before the Super Bowl. 24, 17, 26, 16. Like, why can't that happen it, with this Browns team? And, and they, and they had to play Tom Brady and Tom Brady was actually a good quarterback. Unlike any of the quarterbacks. It these can, days also. it can, so. lots of things can happen. <laughs> but we're not dealing in the, like, is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Uh, anything is possible. And we've seen just about everything take place in the history. What are we a hundred plus year history of the NFL? Yeah. But that's not a, a routine thing in modern football where you just, this isn't a routine okay, AFC so conference. I, you and I aren't disagreeing. It could happen, but is it likely? Hell no, it's not likely. There's going to come a game where Joe's going to have to, but and not turn the ball over. Refer back to refer back to the ceiling because this changes the ceiling of the team. Absolutely. Because if I had told you when they had Deshaun Watson, who stunk, when they had PJ Walker, who stunk, when they had DTR, who stunk, the idea of them having to just rely on 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 a quarterback to perform this well in any game was impossible to give their defense a shot. Now it's a shot around to make this like I'm the one arguing against this before Joe Flacco went on these last couple of games. I was the only one that said that this raises the ceiling for this team. Well, now you're lowering their ceiling. The ceiling hasn't changed. I felt this way the whole time. This is the gassiest of gaslighting that's ever happened in on Christmas Eve of all days. Stop it. No less. Charlie. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's a marital spat, and Charlie is just <laughs> picking with me, pressing my buttons, trying to turn us into something that we both know is not true. Well done, Charlie. Well done. The I hope the producer. viewers are finding the this entertaining because I'm not. Wow, I, I loved it. Well, I, I'm, I'm. It, that's a great, great sales pitch for people to listen to the rest of the podcast. The first twenty <laughs> minutes, the first thirty minutes are bad. But oh, no, I didn't whatever, say we'll keep going. I just uh, didn't enjoy you picking at me, which is sometimes people can enjoy. Now I'm being gaslit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom. On Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, 
Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, guys. I got another cliche for you. We're going to go back to, we're going to, we didn't cover this game on Thursday. We didn't realize it would be as fun to talk about as it was. It's the Rams. The Rams, we thought they could be bad this year, but they aren't bad. They're good. Matt Stafford is fun. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. One of the best quarterbacks in football are the Rams officially the team that no one wants to see in the playoffs <laughs> after beating the, after beating the saints i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna first off refer you to a little column called the four teams most likely Ooh. to improve in the nfl written every year by the very wise bill barnwell which included the last two teams we talked about on this show the cleveland browns and the los angeles rams that nobody believed in before the year but no they are not the team that nobody wants to face in the postseason because we give that to any team that wins by more than two touchdowns on an island game any 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 at any point in december and that's crazy the packers were the team nobody wanted to play two weeks ago and they've stunk since that point so no i'm as high on the rams as anybody I would be perfectly fine seeing. I mean, the I think the 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 core of the argument that you don't want to play the Rams is that Matt Stafford is playing about as well as Matt Stafford has ever played. The the throws that he's making in the course of these games are like just really impressive. It, it's very much like it feels like if uh if McVay could throw, this is how the offense would look. He looks really comfortable and he makes the passes that I think Sean McVay wishes that he could make uh puka nakua is incredible that catch that he had in that game and he also like i think through the course of the season i've googled Dog. his 40 time like three separate times because i'm like he can't be fast but then i watch the games and he is fast i do have one criticism for puka though you had to get a do-rag a scully or something because when you got hair coming out of your helmet holes and you look like the doll from toy story I find that personally offensive. I did not like this, the, the patchy hair coming out. Of, no one noticed this but me. I was the only person offended by this. 
Alex Anzalone doesn't bother <laughs> yes, you? Yes, they all bother me. Like, put t- tie it down. Or, like, okay, it doesn't fine. seem that hard. Put it on from front to back. I just don't like when the hair is coming out and you look like a doll, a Barbie that no one cares about, that you cut the hair several times. That's a that's the thing about Trey Young. This the helmet makes it bother me less. <laughs> oh man, poor Trey Young catches strays for no reason. I told you about the time when Trey Young's dad confronted me in Las Vegas. We're going back to Vegas, so watch your mouth. Trey Young dad, don't play. Don't play about Trey. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we could have a delicious, delicious matchup, which is the Lions, who won today. We could have a Ooh. three six we could have a three six matchup. Of the Lions versus the Rams in the first round. Uh, great. This is the trade that we keep on saying. Both teams won the trade because the Rams got a Super Bowl. The Lions rebuilt and, and have become a pretty good team. Although, I don't know how good they are this season. And if I were to say those two teams are going to play in the first round, who do you think is the better football team? The Rams or First the of Lions? all, 3-6, um, a great matchup. Also a great mafia, Juicy J. Finest beats ever around. You're welcome, Bill. Yeah, I know you wanted that. I know you wanted that. Mm-hmm. There's that trade. Let that trade was like a let's plan oh, a robbery. I'm not, but... I'm not strictly, strictly a strictly, oh, strictly a yeah, Project, Project Pat man. I, I don't. Two way freak. Um. Anyway. Well done. You won. You won. Um. Uh. I have in my notes that Cooper Cup dropped the ball too many times, but that's yeah. three times. <laughs> Which was like that's... he dropped three touchdown passes, two touchdown passes, and they had a screen that should have been a touchdown pass. Don't ask me why I was paying very close attention to Cooper Cup in this game. But really I think I got to go with the Lions in that matchup. Um, I guess it will be a shootout because neither side has a defense that I love or trust. Maybe just having Aaron Donald on the field is enough to get a couple sacks that have turned the game, but it'll, it could be a closer game than I think uh, the records would suggest, or yeah, the, the standings would suggest, but I guess you give them a little advantage because they're at home. Uh, I think I would go with the, the lions over Matt Stafford in that match. We'll see though. I think the lions would control the line of scrimmage, the offensive line of scrimmage and other I side, their D lines not controlling something. Well, I don't That's know if the Rams' fair. offensive That's line is controlling much either, frankly. Um, so I, I think the Lions can do it here. Someone pointed out to me. Someone, someone replied to me on Twitter and said something like, 2011 Lions fans, I hope Matthew Stafford wins oh, the first playoff game that'd be great. at Ford Field. That'd be Monkey's great. paw that'd curls. Be uh, the, um, we don't care about the Saints at all because they're out of it, but I just um, – in. Rewatching yeah, that game that. today because we're going to talk about it. I noticed the Alave drop right before halftime was like the most pivotal play in that game. I know it sounds pretty stupid, but they were going down the field. They're down by three. They could tie it or take a lead. He drops it. They go down and sc- I'm not blaming, blaming on Alave. Alave. I, the point that I'm trying to make is as much as it's the point that we've been making about a lot of these games is that the margins are really thin and the outcomes of the game are not huge disparities and as high as we are, it's essentially the point that, that Bill was making about the Packers a couple weeks ago being the team that nobody wanted to play. It was like, yeah, the Rams look good right now, but all these things can change on, and it wasn't even like they made a bad play or they missed an opportunity. All these things can change on a whim. And as sorry as we think that the Saints are, the Rams ain't that much better, but we acting like they're the team that nobody wants to play. 
it was not about blaming on Olave. It's just about putting in context how close a lot of these mediocre football clubs are. Can we talk about one of my least favorite oh, phrases when Which it comes to I football? They, they were going down the field. That could mean anything from like they were in the red zone on the five yard line or they right. got one first down and they're on their own 25. They were going down it the does. field. That could it mean does. Anything. You're right. My larger point was there was only enough time on the clock for them either to score or to uh, once they got that first down, either to score or to punt it away. But instead, he drops it. They go for it on fourth down. They get the ball back. And then there's a seven point swing. And then the Rams get the ball again and score a field goal. And then the game just feels entirely different. Like they could have gone in seven to 10, but they don't because. He dropped the pass in part because he dropped the pass. Can I tell you about the that some ball is thrown so way too hard on way too hard. Yeah, I agree. So not not on the lot. Fucking laser off his hands for no can reason. I, can I can I tell you about some psychic pain I inflicted on a fan base Ooh. this Christmas season? Uh, and I will continue to inflict because it's funny to me. Every time I tweet out a reminder that Derek Carr, who is hated by Saints fans. I remind them Derek Carr has a no trade clause and cannot be moved this offseason unless he wants to be. Wow. Incredible. A high, high comedy <laughs> team. I mean, they really want Jameis. Do they really want Jameis? Is that what they want? It's not Derek Taysom. Carr. Taysom. At least, at least Jameis has that suitcase, though. Derek Carr doesn't have any suitcase. No gimmick for Derek Carr. You're right. They really want Taysom. Uh, I got to ask you. Stafford. Do you think he is – where does he fall in the NFC quarterback hierarchy? Because I know that's, like, an easy way to pick the teams you like in the playoffs. And this is what I keep coming back to because, like, outside of Brock Purdy, I think he's probably the second-best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard because I think they're all very close, and it depends on the week that we talk about them. You know, I think the way that Stafford's played recently – I would agree with you, but we go back a few more weeks and there's no argument. Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in all of football. There's nobody on in this NFC group that's so head and shoulders above. You can go back a, a few more weeks from that and, and Purdy's struggling because he's missing a couple players. So there's nobody far Brock and Tilden. above everyone else in this conference. No one, I guess you could lean on Stafford's resume because he's won a Super Bowl and that could bump him over some other guys. Only right. quarterback in the conference is so, won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm. Joe Flacco. You know who else won a Super yeah. Bowl? Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Are you sure, Charlie, that he's better yeah. than Baker Mayfield? Okay. We can we can go there. We'll talk about it. Okay. Let's do it. The Bucks and Baker, who keeps feeding. Hall of Fame wide receiver Mike Evans. They blew out the Jaguars today. And I think we should talk about both teams. But to you, just off the top, do you want to start with the Bucs and this, they might actually be good? Because I think there's a second conversation to be had also about Trevor Lawrence being sort of broken and this Jaguars offense being very disappointing. But let's start with the Bucs. What, what did you think about Baker with this performance and the season he's having? I think Baker is exactly that perfect line <sighs> between not having expectations and having expectations too high. 
Like there, no one has any airs about Baker the way they have airs about Matthew Stafford or Joe Flacco or Brock Purdy or Dak. Like no one has any expectations for Baker. And that is the only time Baker Mayfield is good. <laughs> if you put even the tiniest bit of hope, the tiniest bit of expectation on Baker Mayfield on his shoulders, he collapses. I mean, I... And because no one has cared about this team all year, nobody had any hopes for this team. Nobody even paid attention to them, even though they were in the NFC South, a division that was left for dead by the entire NFL. Baker is proving it week after week. And like on paper, they're not any less talented than a lot of these other mediocre teams we're talking. I don't think they're any less talented than the I think Rams, they are, are they? incredibly. I mean, defensively, at least they got bodies over there. And, yeah, they have Baker Mayfield playing well right now. It's just what do you expect from him in the long run? And I guess if the offense consists of just throw it to Mike Evans, who's having an astronomical season and, and run right now. I don't. We, it's, we don't he does this every it. season. <laughs> We don't we yeah. don't have to get married to them, Dominique. That's I'm not fair. saying you gotta have kids with them and, and, and live with them for the rest of your life. I'm not saying we gotta sign Baker to a two hundred million dollar deal. We just gotta get three more weeks. We just gotta get two more games. Not even two, two more games whoa, whoa, whoa. and win the NFC South. And then though, you're hosting a home playoff game against the Cowboys who can't play Cowboys. on the road against good teams. And what happens if Baker wakes up feeling dangerous that day? I I, I will say last year. I was so sure the Tom Brady Bucks were going to beat the Cowboys in the wild card round, and then Dak dropped a, like four hundred and five. Yeah, that'll be a fun, a nice bye week for the Cowboys and go and destroy Baker and them again. Wow, like they did last year without Baker. Clip that up, Charlie. <laughs> I love that. That fan base to- definitely won't be mad at us after Baker in December had a thousand and ten yards, ten touchdowns, and one interception, and the Bucks went four and zero. I mean, he looks great. Like, like he looks confident, which I think is the big thing for Baker. He's very streaky. Like, I think he is a guy where when things are right around him, he's good. But once the line starts breaking down, once his receivers aren't going the right places, he really struggles. And I think, you know, he... The thing about, I, I mean, there's, through the many years of trying to project how quarterbacks are going to fare, at one point I was really high on the idea that accuracy is... Uh, a trait that is more important than anything else in projecting quarterbacks. Then we went and had Baker Mayfield enter the league and Josh Allen enter the league and Jalen Hurts enter the league. And I've come to accept the idea that I cannot project quarterback play based on a single trait. And it's certainly, if there is one, it certainly ain't accuracy, but I will say that that's the, that's the superpower that Baker has is that he can put the ball. uh, He has elite accuracy or he has shown to have that at some point. I haven't watched all of these games, like inspecting them incredibly closely, but the few highlights that I've watched of Baker, it's again, it's that accuracy. So that's exciting. But the problem is he's also shown that that can go away. And once it goes away, it's going to be a problem. Can we talk about the other team now? They're more interesting to me, honestly, because people actually thought they were going to be good. Wow. Charlie, do you have the quotes from Trevor Lawrence post game about this offense? There's real concerns about Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars offense. And that, that they've been the case since that Bengals game on Thursday night where they, they if they won, they were going to be I believe the one seed at that point of the season. They lost that game. They've lost every game since. Trevor Lawrence suffered a high ankle sprain. He was helped off, had to walk a mile and a half to the locker room with a cop helping him up uh, along the way and he's not playing good football. He's turned the ball over, I think 
is it eight times, nine times now in the last uh, 11 quarters? He got, he left, had to lead this game. The third straight week, he's left the game with an injury. It was the ankle, uh, the concussion last week. And now this week, a shoulder injury. Like this offense, they have no answers right now. They look totally broken. And, and where they were just a few weeks ago. Oh, sorry, go ahead. The quote, the, the, I'm oh, sorry, do you, the, the quote is Trevor said it doesn't even look like we practice. <sighs> Dominique, what does that say to you about how you feel about your coaching staff? If a player says uh, that publicly, he's throwing the entire organization, not just the coaching staff, the players, everybody under the bus. Like that is saying that it. I mean, I assume Trevor Lawrence has been a starting quarterback for long enough that at some point in the press conference, he probably took responsibility and said it's all on me. But saying it doesn't look like we practice is also tantamount to saying they're not protecting me. They're not where they're supposed to be when I'm ready to throw the ball. I don't know how that explains the way that fumble that he had in Cincinnati where no one was touching him, but it looked like he didn't (laughs) practice there. It, It did feel like either there's a trust issue or there's a route combination issue. Because on a bunch of pivotal plays toward the end of that game, we see a guy with a bad ankle and a bad shoulder coming off a concussion running. It's like, you couldn't find nobody to throw it to? <laughs> nobody? Well, how much do you put on this, uh, on Trevor Lawrence? Because regardless of the injury, it feels like he's had a lack of progress this season when we thought that he was going to elevate. I almost think that it doesn't matter how much I would put on him or how much is actually his fault. It's just the way that it works. You're the quarterback of a team. You're number one overall pick. You're a team that had expectations coming into the season, and you're putting up trash numbers and losing games that you should win. So for whatever it matters, over the course, the, the larger sample of Trevor's entire career, even including the Urban Meyer thing, he ain't who we thought he was. And maybe it's because of the coaching or maybe it's because of the support that he is or isn't receiving. But we haven't done that. We haven't parsed those things for any other quarterback. So I, don't, I doubt that we're going to start doing that for Trevor. Well, that's the crazy part, right? Like you brought up the, the thing that really scares me about this is Trevor Lawrence lived through the Urban Meyer season. And he's like, oh, no, now it looks like we haven't practiced. Yeah. That's the really disconcerting part to me about all of this. I I. I'm, I'm going to be more holistic than Dominique. I'm not just going to say, oh, quarterback, go boom, figure it out. Like, this team doesn't have answers. Week after week, mm-hmm. it feels like we don't know who their lead receiver is going to be. We don't know who is, like, going to be the priority of getting the football. It's going to be four-yard like, passes their receiver, to Evan Ingram. Their we know who their receiver is In the first half be. of this game. You know what? Their leading receiver in the first half of this game was a, a guy whose last name is Cooks, who's not <laughs> Brandon Cooks. Good. I Brandon Cooks he caught a touchdown in the Cowboys game, but it's not Brandon Cooks. It was like a 27 year old rookie named Cooks who uh, has not been featured in the offense at all until this point. Like this offense on paper has Travis Etienne, it has Calvin Ridley, it has guys who they've prioritized with draft picks. Okay, you're going to be the focal points of this offense, and this is not a, an offense with inexperienced coaches. Like Doug Peterson's been doing this for a long time. He's been good at it for a long time. He was good at times last year. Like, they don't have easy answers for Trevor Lawrence where they get the ball into their playmaker's hands week after week. And it feels like Trevor has to create out of structure. It feels like Trevor has to scramble even though his body's breaking down in year in year three. Like, it, it doesn't feel like a team that should be taking a step forward, not just from the quarterback perspective, but from the uh, the perspective of it's our second year in the offense. We have all these players back for a second season. Okay. It doesn't feel like. That offense. I mean, it's the same for that defensive line that we forward. thought would be one of the strengths of that team. It hasn't been dominant at any point in the season. It hasn't even been consistent. So I, I think 
you can, like you mentioned, a holistic look. And while you said that I just boiled it down to quarterback, go boom. I, I think that's a fair assessment. That's, that's an accurate assessment of what I said. Yeah. Quarterback go boom. So it, nothing else matters, but to be honest with you, that's how it's going to work. Like eventually they're going to move on from Trevor Lawrence. If they do not show some improvement the way it is, it's how it happens everywhere. Oh no, I, I definitely don't think Trevor he'll get Lawrence paid will get paid. By them. But I'm saying the point is the the expectations for Trevor Lawrence and expectations for teams it ultimately comes down to measuring the quarterback. I don't know since when have we done another equation? I guess since uh early in Deshaun Watson's career, we gave him some excuses because of what was surrounding him. But other than that, everyone else, sooner or later, we come for you. Kyler? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm not. I, I think he paid. will get paid. I misspoke yeah. by saying that they're going to move on from him. We will move on from him as thinking of him as one of these guys. Yeah. Oh, emotionally. Mm. Yeah. At we'll some put him point. in the Baker camp is what you're saying. But here's here's the only problem. We can trash the Jags all we want. And I think they deserve it. But the Texans lost. The Colts lost to the Falcons. And the Titans lost. So. Does it really matter? Like they might, they're just as likely to make it to the postseason today as they were yeah. yesterday. But the difference is, last year they won five straight, five straight games to go into the postseason. This year they're four straight losses. Then, so this seems like a much more one beat. and done team. But but they, they Brandon they, they Staley ain't that, walking through that they door. They rode that momentum. You know where I was going. They rode that momentum from that late game, late season winning streak to get their. <laughs> Stomped in the first half of that playoff game. And then, Only I mean, they, they had control of that comeback, Chiefs game so. afterwards. It was uh, a very winnable game. They did the most, Im- most important thing you can do. Baker Mayfield and the Browns did the same thing. Injure Patrick Mahomes as quickly as nice possible. Football. That gives you the best chance of beating him in the postseason. Um, okay, last one, because now that we've talked about Brandon Staley, we have to pivot, to pivot to the Brandon Staley list. Chargers, who seemingly had life against the Bills on Saturday night. Are you concerned... Mm-hmm. That the Bills barely squeaked by Easton Stick and the Chargers. I mean, I, I no, my answer is no. I'm not no more concerned about the Bills than I was when they blew out the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. I, yeah, I, I don't think that this game uh, changes the way that I feel about this team. Uh, it's the same team that they were before they beat the Cowboys, the same team they were when they beat the Cowboys. They seem to be a high-variance team that can score a lot of points given the right circumstance and defense can show up in a perfect situation, but they're not, I mean, they're, they're not just going to be beating people on a, a tear into the playoffs. They aren't that good. Are they, are they, if we have to pick a team right now, like are, are the bills that team yeah. for sure? I mean, if so uh, the team you don't want to face, it has to be a team that's a wild card or something. Right. Cause yeah. Right. Yeah, or like, it, can't, uh, it can't be the Niners. Or division like, winners, oh, I feel like. It has to be someone coming to wild card. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's Josh Allen. that He's a guy that you that your game plan, he can break your game plan, and he can score enough points and, uh, and keep his team in games and dominate games. He can also blow it up and have a terrible game. So, yeah, that's what it boils down to. That's why they are the team that you probably don't want to face. Uh, I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. We're taping this before the the Monday night game, and it's really it could be really stupid. But I really do think they're the best team in the AFC, which means no one wants to play them. They were yeah. losing to the Chargers in the fourth but, but, quarter. But but on but, but 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 we know 
emotions in the locker room are part of it. And they were on, it was a classic letdown spot after they demolished Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. So they needed to have a half where they calmed down and they're like, okay, we're playing Ethan stick. We'll be fine. We'll win this game. We'll make it into the playoffs. You don't think the Chargers were riding? It's all emotions. Those, it's the, all emotions game. Uh, That's exactly. How dare you say yeah. they're the best team in the AFC? On the day we put this out, the Ravens likely beat. <laughs> oh, I could look really dumb by the time people the listen to this. First team to do it ever. You know, we want to produce evergreen content here at the Dominique Foxworth Show. <laughs> Charlie is ensuring that by Tuesday morning, <laughs> no reason to listen to the show. Or, or I will uh, be the one who sounds great, and you guys will have the evergreen content the prof- when the Ravens lose by 21 <sighs> to Brock Purdy and the oh, Niners. Nonsense. The Prophet. I, 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 I don't really feel differently about the Bills. Like, we know this is in their bag. Like, I don't, I don't think Joe Brady taking over means Josh Allen can't throw a dumb interception because yeah. I guarantee you Josh Allen can throw a dumb interception. It doesn't mean that James Cook, who has been really good since Joe Brady took over, it was so funny. They cut to, like, the NBC crew, and they're all like, why isn't James Cook getting the ball? They need to run the ball. And then James Cook immediately fumbles <laughs> on the very next that, play. They come then they did that package about how his rookie game. year, his first carry was a fumble, and he got, dis- and he got buried in the bench. It's poor James Cook. This seems the anti-Cowboys to me. Like, it's not just, like, the Cowboys are the team that, you know, they're going to beat bad teams and lose to the good teams. <laughs> the Bills can lose to anyone, but they can also beat the good teams. Oh, gosh, that's not a fun team to root for. I guess maybe it is a fun team to root for. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's, it's, it depends on what your idea of fun is. If your idea is a good movie, Home Alone, that's not your team. If you're a bungee jump guy, though, oh, you love the Bills. It's a thrill. Nah. Do you know? I mean, I assume I jump do. Guys I, mean, yeah. I work with a lot of white Are people. Somebody likes to jump out of something. They just don't reveal it to you. I mean, maybe skydive. I don't know. No something. Y'all know y'all like to do that type. <laughs> yeah, anything that they show in a monster ballads commercial is, is stuff that I that I think I, your, I love your life during the your life is an energy drink commercial. That is how you live your life when you're not in front of this camera, just doing <laughs> doing <laughs> that would be in an energy drink montage. That seems more like Josh Allen to me than me. I could see Josh Allen just showing up and being, you know, I, I'm just he just goes to Wyoming during the offseason. He just bungee jumps six times every day. We just need Mindenhall to tweet about the all bungee jumping team. We'll get an answer. Is there any no more than there always was? That? Like, yeah, they it's are depleted on defense, and Josh Allen gonna throw it to the other guys. Like we knew that. We've been knew that since. Uh, for for seasons now, it's, that's been the story on the Bills. So, yeah, I, I'm no more concerned about them than I was before. I'm happy that it does feel like they're on a trajectory to get in the playoffs because that's going to be a much more fun game to watch than just about any other team. But I am not betting the palatial estate on the Bills. But Charlie is willing to write that off. Charlie, why are you writing off yesterday's or Saturday's performance? As let, like let down. Just irrelevant to the to the Bills. Just you think it's just strict letdown energy. Yeah, definitely. I think they saw the Chargers. They're like, look at this five and nine team without Justin Herbert. They're starting some guy named Easton Stick. We don't have to play our, Easton Stick. We don't game. have to play our best game. Okay. Dominique knows this. You can't be up for every week. No one there's a reason that it's a reason the Patriots didn't go twenty and oh. Only one man. You can't, you can't be I up for every story week. Before. Um, up for every weekend that I ever played with, and that was Ray Lewis. Man, be worked up you got a team exactly. full of Hall of Famers, then you're okay, but you don't got that. 
that that man he did, had yeah, to he, he would find something. It was a, he would find something to get himself up for this game. Can I can I tell you one thing I am concerned about with the Bills? Yes. Oh. Stephon Diggs. I mean, he has good plays. A good game again. Every every week he like stabs a one hander, makes an incredible catch with somebody draped all over him. But then that's the only catch he has all all game. Uh, yeah, Stephon Diggs is is uh, slightly disappearing in this modern offense. Is that what the issue was with Ken Dorsey? Like he was designing too many throws to Stephon Diggs after the off season, where Stephon was obviously very upset with something going on in the organization. It does seem a little problematic that your most expensive most important offensive player has been anonymous for like six weeks and your most expensive defensive player has basically been anonymous all season in von miller doesn't seem like it's charlie likes it playoff success just me charlie i i i agree well it's also like yeah he's not happy about it which is also not good when it's Stefan Savon Dix. like of course, I'm sure he's happy that they're winning, but he said it's frustrating. He doesn't know why he's not getting the ball. And that's that, that is a genuine concern for the Bills when he is um, emotional, volatile. They're volatile star wide receiver. Uh, you want him engaged if they uh, tempestuous. Yeah, truculent. On that note, thank you all for that's joining the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Throw your hands up. Special thank you. To Charlie, Bill, Megan, Serafina, Brian, Kevin, and Cortez. We out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.